0: Hillary Clinton says that half of Donald Trump's supporters could be put in a basket of deplorables. The Democrat candidate for soulless president was speaking at a fundraiser when in the midst of delivering a package of Unbelievables to a room full of gullibles, she dumped the cesspool of Despicables onto a crowd of unobjectionables. Rushing behind a curtain to keep the news media's Volkswagen of laughables from catching her on camera, hacking up a gob of indigestibles, the woman who once exposed a phone load of classifiables to a world of execrables with an agenda of disagreeables revealed herself to have a heart of uncharitables toward a nation of unexceptionables. Hillary later released a hypocrisy of culpables for her passel of regrettables, but she had already left a stain of unfavorables on a reputation of crappy nastiness. Hillary accused Trump supporters of being racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, and Islamophobic, thereby proving herself a classist, narcissist, anthropophobic, androphobic, panophobe with a vocabulary limited to important-sounding insults rendered largely meaningless by repeatedly being used only to silence and demonize opinions differing from her own. In other words, she's a Democrat. The controversy over Hillary's insult to millions of Americans temporarily obscured the controversy over her corrupt use of a private email server, which had previously led to the controversy of her continuous dishonesty, which was then temporarily replaced by the controversy over her health. The health controversy gained new strength over the weekend when she began behaving strangely at a 9-11 memorial in New York and then grew weak and then collapsed and then mysteriously disappeared from mainstream news coverage. This left many observers wondering if the candidate had come down with vanishing syndrome, an increasingly common disease that causes leftists to become invisible to journalists when doing something that could cost them votes. Doctors say vanishing syndrome is a serious malady, which has already affected many at the Justice Department and Internal Revenue Service. The only cure for this disease is media integrity, a medicine which must be manufactured by a complex and expensive process which involves dipping New York Times editors in tar, covering them in feathers, then tying them to a rail and carrying them down to the Hudson River, after which they must be inserted into the water and pelted with rotten vegetables while they are carried out into New York Harbor and then to sea. Here's hoping the medicine can be manufactured soon and in large quantities in order to make the ailing Mrs. Clinton visible to journalists once again. Meanwhile, to prove that the health emergency was only a harmless fainting spell or heart attack or stroke and nothing that would keep Mrs. Clinton from performing the duties of the president as long as she is held up by a man on each arm who pretends she's still alive, Mrs. Clinton did agree to give an interview to reporters from her hospital
1: room.
2: I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know, and
0: they'll say, Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. Clearly, there's nothing to see here. (laughs) Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. It's like we know she's still alive because we can hear her up in the attic of the house going, Norman, Norman, what have you done? You, <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, no, she's still alive, really. Yes, Norman, stop. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible. All right, hey, so if you subscribe. You can now watch this entire show on the website live. Is that right? Yeah. You say, subscribe. see, your lousy eight bucks was worth something. You know, you know, what we never mentioned for your lousy eight, eight bucks, you also get the Ben Shapiro show. A lot of people didn't understand that. You don't just get me. I mean, me. That's you know, that's three bucks. But you know, <laughs> right? five, you get Ben. So this is it's a really good deal. You can watch this if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube and not subscribing. Then after 15 minutes, you are plunged into the exterior darkness where there is great wailing and gnashing of teeth. But you can come over to The Daily Wire and listen to the rest or download us on SoundCloud or iTunes and then subscribe because not only do you get me and Ben, you also get to contribute to the mailbag, which is Wednesday. And Wednesday show, we will answer all your questions and then you will have no more questions and life will be a breeze. All right, uh, this is also, by the way, the last week you can pre-order my memoir, The Great Good Thing, A Secular Jew Comes to Faith in Christ. It is uh, the last week, and then it is published, I think, officially on Monday. So no more pre-orders, but if you pre-order it and send us the receipt to the aclaven a- at thedailywire.com, I will sign a sticker that you can put in the book, and you will like the book. So that's the other reason to, to go out and buy it. All right, let's get right down to the important story. What the hell happened to the Sunday Night Football song? I mean, it used to be—you well, well, know—it it, it used to be great, and Faith Hill sung it, who is sexy as all as could possibly be. Then they put Carrie Underwood, who's cute—you know, she's not as sexy, but okay—you know—they wanted Carrie Underwood. It now they have this tuneless, horrible song, and she creeps around like she's an insect of some sort. It's, it's terrible. Anyway, all right, the real stuff. I wake up, I, I never sleep, so I guess it's. Sunday is, is 9-11, right. So Sunday I wake up 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm looking at the Twitter feed, and somebody says, Hillary Clinton just collapsed. So I immediately go to the news sources, nothing. Go to the news sources for an hour, nothing. Fox News starts saying, you know, Hillary Clinton, yes, did have some kind of medical incident. Go to all the other news sources, zippo. Nothing. I mean, nothing for hours. This is blacked out completely, and even then they're downplaying, and when you take a look, this is raw footage. No reporters got this. This is just somebody who was at the 9-11 memorial down at, uh, at um, where the trade centers used to be at, what do they call it? Ground Zero. And she's taken to her car. Here's, here's the video, the raw, raw cut. She's leaning against the traffic uh, guides at the, on the sidewalk. Uh, a woman is holding her up. And they try now they two guys try and take her into the car that's come up, and man, she drops. I mean, she really goes down. She goes down on her knees. Uh someone has said that some piece of metal comes out of her pants, nobody knows what that is. It's it is dramatic. I mean, it is really dramatic. You would think this thing would be red lighted everywhere. I mean, just breaking news, breaking this is a major presidential candidate. Nothing. So now they're saying she has. Pneumonia. She was taken, to I think, to Chelsea's apartment, and she came out later and waved to the crowd. So she waves to the crowd first. She hugs a child. If she has pneumonia, she just killed the kid. Are you feeling <laughs> yeah, she hugs this little girl. Are you feeling better?
1: Yes. Thank you very much. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. All right. All
0: right. So. Now this is suddenly a big story, right? And all this time... Those of us on the right who thought something was wrong with her were conspiracy theorists and all this stuff. And and let me just be clear. I know some of you are going to be ticked off that I say this. I'm not wishing ill to Hillary Clinton or her health, and I really am not making fun of it or anything like that. Illness and death come to us all. You know, it's not something we wish on each other unless somebody is out there actually killing people or doing something really, really evil. She's a corrupt, terrible person. You know what I think of her. I hope she loses this election, but I'm not wishing her to get sick. But what it does raise is raise is it raises the issue of the media all this time, all this time. It's been all on us. And the New York Times, listen to this New York Times description of this, a former newspaper. Hillary Clinton is being treated for pneumonia and dehydration, her doctor said on Sunday, hours after she abruptly left a ceremony in New York honoring the 15th anniversary of the September 11 attacks and had to be helped into a van by Secret Service agents. She collapsed like a ton of bricks. Now, later on, they do sort of say her knees seemed to buckle. (laughs) It's like maybe maybe she was just doing some kind of like, you know, Groucho Marx duck walk into the car. She collapsed. Now, it says the episode thrust questions about Mrs. Clinton's health and the transparency of her campaign squarely into the last two months of the race, which many polls show has grown Tighter. So the episode thrust. It's not all of us who've been questioning this. All of us who've been looking with our own eyes and seeing this. Say, they go on to say for months, Republicans have, with scarce evidence, questioned the stamina of Mrs. Clinton sixty-eight and claim she is ill, often pointing to her repeated coughing bouts. So, I mean, this is this is so typical, you know. I mean, the right conservatives who are true constitutional conservatives are almost always right about everything. I mean, seriously, I'm serious. Their, Their attitudes toward poverty work, their attitudes toward crime work, their attitudes toward the free market work, everything they do works. And when it turns out they work, nobody ever says, oh, conservatives were right. You know, nobody ever says that. Oh, we did detro- destroy Detroit. We did destroy Chicago. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe better policing would have helped. Nobody ever says that. It's oh, We are always on the outside screaming, and we're always conspiracy theorists. They ne- You know, Cheryl Atkinson, a real reporter, we know she was a real reporter because CBS forced her out for trying to cover the Obama administration. She tried to cover Benghazi. She tried to cover the IRS scandal. They would not run her stories. I mean, she's she's a great investigative reporter who covered George W. Bush just as hard as she covered Obama. But with Obama, they just stopped playing her stories. She says, "'The incident raises questions about the news media's coverage surrounding Clinton's health. Rather than reporting the facts, many in the media have taken it upon themselves to shout down the questions and to controversialize those asking them.'" On August 21, 2016, after Trump advisor Rudy Giuliani suggested people research Clinton's medical state on Google, a New York Times tech columnist retorted in a tweet, Google should fix this. It shouldn't give quarter to conspiracy theories. This this is a tweet from a New York Times tech reporter. In other words, the columnist was advocating that a conspiracy be committed to stop people from researching Clinton's health, which he labeled a conspiracy. Many others in the media also chimed in using the conspiracy theory moniker. It's designed to convince the public to tune out the discussion in much the same way as other common astroturf terms, such as debunked, bonkers, tinfoil hat, shoddy, discredited, quack, bogus denier, and crank. And, And she just goes on to list all the people on the left and and not just on the left. NBC News calls it, uh, you know, a, we were mainstreaming conspiracy theories about Hillary Clinton's health, okay? So all, the fact is, we were right. Something is wrong with her. Now they're saying it's pneumonia. Pneumonia comes and goes. But pneumonia is also a secondary infection a lot of times. You get sick, and then pneumonia is what carries you off, but you've already been weakened by something else. So it's very hard to know what exactly is going on because they lie all the time. And one more important point about this. Donald Trump did not say anything stupid. And I think that is worth noting in all seriousness. It's worth noting because before 9-11, before any of this happened, I was taking bets on whether he could get through 9-11, le- leaving this out, without saying something utterly ridiculous, you know, without saying something that would make you cringe. And not only did he hear in this thing that sprung up, this emergency that came out of nowhere, he wished her well. He said, I hope she's back on the campaign trail soon. And he made no comment. He handled himself very well. and that that indicates something that he has learned something. He is not the candidate. I don't think this this guy four or five weeks ago would have been quite as on top of it as he was now. So I just want to point out there's there's an article by Heather McDonald, our friend heather Mack from the from City Journal and the Manhattan Institute, who's been just following Black Lives Matter and exposing all the lies they tell and exposing all the terrible results. And she's talking she writes a piece about Chicago. And the fact that 92 people, I'm still on the side, this is still on the subject of Clinton's health, but just a a digression for a minute. 92 people were shot dead in Chicago in the month of August, okay? This is a tragedy unfolding in one of our greatest cities. You know, Chicago is one of the great cities of the world, let alone our country. And because of Black Lives Matter and because of corrupt Democrat governance, people are being gunned down. And, And guys, you know these are children. These are children on the street. These are guys raking the leaves on their lawn who are being blown away. I mean, 10-year-olds doing their homework, kids playing on the street. Gangsters are are blowing them away in the city. And one of the reasons is because Black Lives Matter has ginned up so much hostility to the police, the police aren't showing up. There are three gangs in Chicago who have sworn a pact to kill police officers. So the police are, are pulling back. And this is a So at the end of this article, she says – Heather McDonald says the ideal solution to Chicago violence would be for more at-risk boys to be raised by their mother and father until that happens. The only hope for law-abiding residents of Chicago's high crime areas is that police regain control of the streets. Now, whenever you talk about this stuff, people say, well, you don't understand what it's like to be black in America. And that is true. I do not understand viscerally what it's like to be black in America. What I do understand is what it's like to be human everywhere. And for human beings, it is a universal rule If you blame others for all your problems, if you wait around for the world to work well, if you wait around for the world to be fair before you get on your horse and do what needs to be done, if you don't self-examine and self-correct, nothing changes in your life. And this is true for everybody. So the press now, when something like this happens, if the media had a, a drop of honest blood in its veins, if the New York Times were not a former newspaper but still a newspaper doing the job it used to do in the 70s and 60s, they would be saying, maybe we got this wrong. They would be questioning themselves. They would be asking, did we do something wrong? And, and you know, the same thing is true of the Democrats. This is what makes Hillary's speech that she made on Friday to a bunch of donors where she insulted all of Trump's people. This is what made this so appalling. Let's, let's hear what she said at this.
1: You know, to just be grossly generalistic, you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. (laughs) Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are people like that. And he has lifted them up.
0: Okay. a a little later, we're going to bring on our cultural reporter, uh, Michael Knowles, reporting from the writer's room uh, to talk about some of the actual deplorables on the Trump side. But this is not what the Trump movement is about. I mean, regardless of what you think of Trump, whether you think he's the savior, I have to stop here and just say goodbye to our friends on Facebook and YouTube. If you were subscribing, you could watch the whole thing on The Daily Wire, but come over anyway and hear the rest of the show. You know, Hillary Clinton is blaming Trump supporters for their anger, and the press has been doing the same thing, blaming them for anger, rather than looking at themselves. I just want to pause for a minute and go back in time and look at maybe some of the the things that they would see if they looked in the mirror. I just want to go back and talk about Obamacare for a minute. I know it's a long time ago. I know it's, you know, now it's six years since it was passed. But just— Right this minute, Obamacare is in a death spiral. It's collapsing because all these sick people have essentially come to it for government health care, but no well people have signed on to pay for those sick people, which was the whole idea in the first place. The both the insurance company, the companies are leaving, and the premiums are skyrocketing. So everything they told us was, that was going to happen has not happened, and the thing is, as big a disaster as we on the right said it would be, and for the same exact reasons, just like with Hillary's health. It's not a surprise to those of us who are saying this in 2010, but let's go back for a minute and see what our president, this is from Town Hall Media Montage, and see what the president was telling us right after it was passed. The product is good. The health insurance that's being provided is good. It's high quality and it's affordable.
1: A broken website and now cancellation notices from insurance companies, followed by sticker shock over higher prices for the new plants, is directly at odds with repeated assurances from the president.
0: You've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. And Because of Obamacare they are
2: not being able to keep it. To me that is a lie. I don't have my insurance company that I love, I do not have the medical policy, that health policy that I love and trust, and now, if I go on a health exchange, I have to choose between my doctors. You like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Did he not say that, sir? He didn't say you can have unlimited choice. It's a simple yes or no question. Did he say if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor? Yes, but look, if you want to pay more for an insurance company that covers your doctor, you can do that. And those who've already had a chance to enroll are thrilled with the result.
0: Now, re- think back and remember how this thing was passed. No Republicans voted for it. Remember, the Republicans were completely on the other side. So that's never happened with a major overhaul of any American uh, project where only one party has voted for. One party was told to buzz off. And when the Massachusetts, remember, when Teddy Kennedy died and Massachusetts elected a Republican, which is unheard of, just to... to st- st- purposely sent him to the Senate to stop this from happening, they used this cheap budget reconciliation c- technique to override the will of the people, a Democrat state, going Republican, simply to stop this. And remember Jonathan Gruber, let's talk about him for a minute, the MIT economist who helped shape this plan, how he went on afterwards, after it was done, and just said it was rigged, it's a scam.
2: This bill was written in a tortured way to make sure CBO did not score the mandate as taxes. If CBO scored the mandate as taxes, the bill dies. Okay, so it's written to do that. In terms, of, in terms of risk-rated subsidies, if you had a law which said healthy people are gonna pay in, it made explicit that healthy people pay in and sick people get money, it would not have passed. Okay, just like the people transparent, lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. And basically, you know, call it the stupidity of the American voter or whatever. But basically, that was really, really critical to getting the thing to pass. And you know, it's the second best argument. Look, I wish Mark was right. We can make it all transparent. But I'd rather have this
0: law than not. So he'd rather make you, you know, think you're stupid and push this past you. Look, anybody can be fooled, so we're fooled by the power of the government. There's no great accomplishment for this guy to fool people using the power of the government and the media. Then, after this is passed, the representatives go back to their home uh, to their homes and have these town hall meetings, and people jump down their throat. And I just want you to remember what Pete Stark, the congressman from California, Alameda County, I think he's from, went back, and a woman stood up, one of the deplorables, one of these terrible people that Hillary Clinton can't stand, stood up and said, hey, what about the Constitution? Doesn't that stop you from doing this? Doesn't it stop you from, ta- from declaring health care a right? Listen to Stark's response.
1: I think that there are very few, constitutional limits that would prevent the federal government from mm-hmm. rules uh, that could affect your private life. Now, the, the basis for that would be, how does it affect other people? The federal government, uh, yes, can, and do most anything in this country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's
2: constitutional. Now, it,
0: Are destroying this nation. This, these are the deplorables. Pete Stark is a deplorable. Jonathan Gruber is a deplorable. Barack Obama when he stood up and lied and lied and then lied again, that's deplorable. That's why people are ticked off. This is eight years of being treated like the slaves of these guys who are supposed to be our servants. This is insane. You know, these people you know, yes, are there angry people in the Trump camp who I despise? Is Trump himself less than we we could ask for for a representative? Absolutely. But the only deplorables here are working in Washington, D.C. in they deserve everything they get. And if it if it turns out that Trump is the leader of a mob, mobs turn up when the government and the elites become corrupt. And that's what's happened in this country. They are corrupt. They're overpowerful. They're no longer democratic and they're no longer obeying the Constitution. And that's deplorable. And that's who the that's where the basket of deplorables is located. All right. Now, cultural reporter Mike Knowles has been in New York But we don't have the technology to talk to him in New York, so we flew him back to the writer's room, which is next door, and using our amazing remote camera work, we're going to bring him on to talk about some of the things that he saw in the Big Apple. Knowles, are you there? (laughs) There he is. There he is. Did you dial us in with a rotary and everything? i tell
2: you guys, (laughs) excuse me, I think... um, if we could just get Skype to work, it would be a lot cheaper than taking these red eyes to and from New York all the time. <laughs> so
0: we just, I, I we just, you know, someday, someday we may have the technology to do that. But now we can only we, we have this amazing satellite that bounces off Venus and then comes back down into the writer's room next door. <laughs> so listen, you have been you've been in New York filming a. Uh, you're an actor in your spare time, and you're filming a a sitcom pilot. But you were doing some studying of the alt-right, and the reason I want to bring up the alt-right is I do want to acknowledge that there are some deplorables in the Trump camp, and we have been picking <laughs> yeah. on the alt-right. Now, before I ask you about what you discovered, I'm going to look, take a look at this quick interview from Milo Yiannopoulos, who is a guy on the Breitbart site, I, a guy I I've personally always liked, but I feel has gone down a dark road, and has set himself up as the man who's going to teach us to be fair to the alt-right, and this is what he says. Are you the alt-right? And what is the alt-right?
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I've never identified as the alt-right. The press seems determined to crown me the queen of it. Um, all I've done is give them a fair hearing in the press. I think that white identity and white nationalism is a little misleading. I think it's more accurate to say that Did the alt-right cares about it? Western supremacy <laughs> rather than white supremacy. It cares about Western values. It cares about liberal, capitalist, Western democracy, democratic values, freedom, equality, that kind of thing. And it sees you know, various threats to those from various fronts.
0: So. So there's Milo saying these are not white supremacists. Uh, he will also say that they're anti. I mean, these are guys who tweeted Ben Shapiro when Ben had a, a, a son. They tweeted that uh, they hoped his son enjoyed the gas chamber. I mean, these are. The- and, and Milo himself made some nasty joke on
2: Twitter about this. Is he right? Well, <coughs> excuse me. I actually couldn't see Milo's clip there, okay. but I have He's seen saying it every He's single-
0: saying they're defending Western values, not white values.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I'll say, I think I've seen every Milo clip over the past week <laughs> while I was uh, researching the alt right. Um, there, no, he's not right. I mean, he's lying. <laughs> he's lying. And he even admits that he's lying because he says in that long freewheeling Breitbart piece, the insider's guide to the alt right or whatever, um, that, uh, The alt-right intellectuals would argue that uh, culture is inseparable from race, which uh, is just simply uh, racism. Now they call it racial realism, they call it racialism, they come up with all of these sort of euphemisms, and it's just evidence that a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Because they're, you know, Bill Whittle has that line about Island 120 and all of these kind of middling intelligences at the New (laughs) York Times. It's the same thing with these guys. I mean, I, I was thinking over the weekend, they like to call everybody cucks, these guys are the biggest cucks of all because they're allowing the right wing and conservatism to be utterly destroyed by all of the left wing values and ideologies uh, just simply in the reverse. How, or how, on the how, inverse, do you,
0: right? how do you mean that? Explain that.
2: Well, you know, I, th- I'm old enough to remember a time when uh, conservatives objected to racial agreement. but for, th- <laughs> for these guys, th- yeah. you know, their answer to black aggrievement or Hispanic aggrievement is white aggrievement. And you know, if uh, if that's what conservatism becomes, count me out. I'm too swarthy to count anyway. I'm Sicilian. <laughs> <to sell you. laughs> I don't think they let
0: me in. Yeah. So they they have, actually have a podcast. And I hate to give them any uh, publicity because I know Hillary Clinton has given them as much as they can possibly stand. But they Absolutely. actually have a pod- <laughs> podcast called The Daily Shoah. And who, for those who don't know, Shoah is the name for the Holocaust, the slaughter of European Jews. And their podcast is called The Daily Shoah. That does indicate a certain a certain kind of antagonism to toward our Jewish uh, neighbors.
2: You know, I don't want to read too much into it, you know. I don't books. Uh, the daily show and um, Fash the Nation, which is their weekly show, uh, I'm willing to wager that there's a little racial resentment bubbling just below the surface.
0: Now, Fash the Nation means make the nation fascist, right?
2: Well, again, I don't want to be too far in, but it is fascists who run the show. So I would say there's uh, probably a likely chance. And these guys, they hide behind pseudonyms. So their names are like one of the guys' names is Jazz Hand And, you know, <laughs> if, if the revolution of Bill Buckley and Russell Kirk and all these guys is now being led by Jazz Hand McFeels.
0: Well, that, that raises the other question. Hillary Clinton says this is half of Trump's supporters. How many of them do you think there yeah. are?
2: Yeah, I mean, there there are five of them. There are, <laughs> there are four guys who run the shows and, you know, I guess the one of you. Our
0: technology. Oh, actually, the other. It, it's uh,
2: an important. There we go. Uh, it's actually an important question because she keeps growing their numbers. You know, the Daily Showa. <laughs> I can't believe I've listened to this. <laughs> Is reporting that their numbers have never been higher since Hillary Clinton's speech. And that's obviously her tactic, right? She wants to grow the alt right. She wants to make it much more prominent and uh, hopefully destroy the GOP from within. But they're not, nothing about these guys, Vox Day, Richard Spencer, Jared Taylor is a Yaley, uh, no, nothing about these guys is conservative. They reject conservatism ultimately. And they, they say, I think it was Vox Day wrote this uh, Politics is downstream of culture, which is downstream of identity. Meaning racial identity. Meaning race, yeah,
0: right.
2: And you know, the the old conservative idea was that politics is downstream of culture, which is downstream of God. And you know, the I think that still is true. It just depends on the gods you worship. These guys have the form of they love Christendom. They love talking about Christianity,
0: but I don't think they like Christianity very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
2: Um, so you were in New York for nine eleven. How was that? I was. I was. Yeah, I used to live right next to the World Trade Center, and I'll tell you, I've been down there for 9/11 for a number of years, and it was it was very eerie, in particular this year, and not just because they were propping up Hillary's dead body with puppet strings.
0: <laughs> yeah, that did give it a little make a little. Not the yeah.
2: yeah, but it was, you know, I mean, there was a guard on every single corner in the financial district, but was was spookier were the plainclothes guards, these extremely jacked guys, you know, in, in a T-shirt and jeans staring at everybody. Um, so, I, you know, it had a very eerie feel in the financial district, and I was uh, at a church service, speaking of Christianity. with one of the heroes of 9-11, Father George Rutler, who, uh, when he heard the plane hit, he sprinted down from Midtown to the Financial District, about three miles, and granted wartime absolution to Mm -hmm. the firefighters going in, because priests can give absolution to soldiers, and he knew we were at war. And he actually was put in charge of the first victim's body, Father Michael Judge, who lay uh, then dead on the altar at St. Peter's Church. It was a very... This year in particular, for the 15th anniversary, was a very somber feeling in New York. And there was one one point during the Mass when we heard uh, sirens going by, and just blew right by, and everyone in that church tensed up. Mm. And it just reminded everybody of that time, right around 9-11, you know, when everybody was on edge. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's amazing how little can change in 15 years. It,
0: it, it went with bad policy, absolutely. All right, Michael Knowles, our That's cultural right. reporter, broadcasting from the writer's room. Sorry for the little delay and the glitches. Uh, you know, he's almost 25 <laughs> feet away, so I mean, we're really, we're really working with... <laughs> We're really pushing with <laughs> right. Thanks a lot, Michael. All Thank right, you, you know, just, just one last comment about this alt-right thing. You know, they're their thing... Their idea is that the uh, evil, you know, black people, evil Jews, all this stuff are coming down and they're, uh, they're de- destroying our country, they're uh, uh, diluting our, our sovereign, wonderful white race, and all this stuff. But they talk about, well, there was Greece, and then there was Rome, and then there was Europe. And you go, wait, before there was (laughs) Europe, there was invasions of the guys that the Romans called the barbarians. The barbarians, they said, these guys are racially inferior, they're coming down destroying our great culture. And they did come down destroy our great culture, and then built a great culture of their own. I mean, there is obviously a system built into nature where we're supposed to mix and mingle and become new things all the time. We should hopefully learn to do it without killing each other and without destroying the things that the people before made. And I think that that's what America has been about, And, and by the way, when they talk about the Christianizing of Europe, that is the proof that it's ideas that matter. It's ideas that change people. It's ideas that civilize people, and bad ideas make them worse, and good ideas make them better, and that's all there is to it. All right, stuff I like. We're gonna deal with some war stories to celebrate uh, 9-11, and this one in particular, uh, you may not have seen this movie. I'm not gonna tell you it's a great movie, but it's a tremendously entertaining, watchable movie. It is called Khartoum. In, it stars Charlton Heston and Laurence Olivier in 18—they would never make it today. In 1883, a guy named Muhammad Ahmed uh, declared himself the Mahdi. He was the uh, the savior, the—what's um, what, the word I'm looking for? The uh, the What's that? He was the Messiah. He was like the Messiah. He was going to come and establish the, um, the uh, caliphate, and he wiped out—he attacked 10,000 uh, Egyptian troops under British command, and they sent the great military hero— uh, Charles Chinese Gordon. They call him Chinese Gordon because of his work in China suppressing rebellions. They sent him over to fight him. And it's a, a tremendous, epic story. And here in a scene that would never be made today is Laurence Olivier playing the Mahdi who giving a speech to gin up his supporters.
1: My Lord Mohammed's blessings and peace be upon him commands me to speak. For I am the Mahdi, the expected one, and I am sprung from the forehead of the family of my lord Muhammad. Blessings be upon him. Oh, my beloved, did I not promise the a miracle would fall from heaven from the prophet Muhammad? And was not this so? Ye <laughs> fight a holy war against the fat and the corrupt and the sinful and the unbelieving ye fight a war to restore to a disobedient, forgetful world the laws and commands of the Prophet Muhammad. Blessings and peace be upon him, whose instrument on earth I am. Exalt ye not that men are dead, since more must die tomorrow. Oh, my beloved, in a vision the Prophet Muhammad has instructed me Let mountain and desert tremble, let cities shudder, and let the fat and the rich and the corrupt in far places mark this moment and turn in fear of all those miracles to come.
0: You almost want SEAL Seal Team 6 to kind of descend in back of him and just take him out while he's talking. Uh, It's a a really uh, exciting, uh, fun, epic movie with Charlton Heston and Lawrence Olivier trying to act each other off the screen. And it reminds you, bad ideas have bad consequences, good ideas build civilizations. It's true then. It's true today. And so we'll be back tomorrow with more great ideas. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show.